0: I'm communication and leadership skills expert Pamela Jett, and this is episode one of a five-part series designed to help you deal more effectively with snipers, steamrollers, chronic complainers, and other typical difficult personality types. In this episode, we are going to discover why difficult people are difficult and what we as individuals can and cannot do about it. To set you up for success during this discussion, I would encourage you to be asking yourself a question. And this is a powerful question that you can ask any time you are learning something new. And it's the question, how will this work for me? How will this work for me? Now, notice I place some vocal emphasis on the word how, because if we ask ourselves, will this work for me when we're learning something new? We often go into what I call defense or rejection mode. We say to ourselves, nah, that won't work, or that doesn't apply, or you have no idea what the person that I'm dealing with is actually like, and I can appreciate that. That's your brain trying to keep you safe, and it's outside of the scope of this episode to talk too much about our brain's architecture, but please know that our brains, by default, are designed to code or make sense of anything that is new as a threat. Until it knows better, our brain by default says, ooh, that's scary, that's bad, that's wrong, until it knows better, because that's our brain's survival instinct coming to our rescue. If you stumble upon an unknown type of snake, your brain is going to automatically categorize that as dangerous until it's proven to be not dangerous. That's a simple survival technique. It's how our brain's architecture works. When we learn new tools to help us deal with difficult people, our brain might do the same thing. It might say, oh, that won't work, or that's not a good idea, or, oh, that's risky, that's way too high risk. It's going to categorize the new tool as a threat until proven otherwise. So when we ask, will this work, our brain says, nope, it won't. It's simply trying to keep you safe. When we ask, how will this work? All of a sudden, we've given our brain a very different assignment. We've given our brain the assignment of figuring out where we can use a tool, how we can use a tool, under what circumstances the tool might work. And our brain will definitely understand the assignment and fulfill it. So as we are talking about why difficult people are difficult and what we can and cannot do about it, be asking yourself, how will this work for me? Because when you ask yourself, how will this work for me, you're working with your brain's architecture to increase the likelihood you will use these tools. And you're also giving yourself an opportunity to take these tools, tips, and techniques that we're discovering and put them into practice in your real world situation. So be asking yourself, not only in this episode, but in the remaining episodes of this five part series, how will this work for me? Because that will increase the likelihood that you will get value out of your time today. So with that in mind, I'd like to address probably one of the most burning questions that I get when I give workshops, whether they are in person or whether they are virtual online types of trainings, or if I'm doing one-on-one coaching with an executive, and it doesn't matter where in the world I am speaking. It doesn't matter who is in the audience or to whom I'm speaking, it's Always. Why are people like that? Why are they so difficult? Why do they do that? Essentially, people want to know why are difficult people difficult. So here's what I believe. After decades of research and work in understanding why difficult people are difficult, I've come up with one basic answer. But before I do, let me share with you what people will tell me they believe is the rationale or the reason behind why people are difficult. People will often say, I think difficult people are difficult because they're insecure, because they're acting out of insecurity. Or I think difficult people are difficult because they are afraid. They're afraid that you're going to take advantage of them, or they're afraid that you're going to get more attention than they will. They're afraid they're going to look foolish or stupid. They are afraid of what others might think. So fear is a big driver, according to many people. So some people are feeling insecure, which is a bit of fear in and of itself. Some people are coming from a place of outright fear that you will be more successful than they are, or something along those lines. Other people will tell me, I don't think it's because they are afraid. I don't think it's because they're insecure. I think it's because they're unhappy. We know that miserable people like company. There's that old adage, misery loves company. So difficult people, if they're miserable, they're trying to make other people feel miserable. And all of these reasons are very valid. Some people will simply say because they're mean. That's why. because that's just who they are. They are mean spirited. They are not nice people. And I believe that is true as well. On occasion, you're dealing with someone who really is at their core, uh, not a very kind person because they haven't been taught to value kindness, or they haven't been taught how to be kind, or they've never received kindness in their life. So they don't know how to give it to others. Most assuredly, fear, insecurity, unhappiness, lack of kindness, all of those are drivers behind difficult behavior. My professional experience has taught me, though, that the number one reason difficult people are difficult is because it's working for them. Think about that for a moment. They're getting something from it. For example. Let's imagine you work with someone who is a bit of a hothead, and anytime something goes off the rails or something goes wrong, they lose their temper. Maybe they're a screamer. Maybe they're a yeller. Chances are, in their previous experience, when they have screamed and when they have yelled, they got their way. It intimidated people, people backed down and did what they wanted them to do. So they have discovered that, hey, when I scream and when I yell, I get what I'm looking for, which is compliance or getting someone to agree with me or getting someone to fix it. Difficult people are often difficult because it's working for them. In their previous experience, when they engaged in that behavior, they got what they were looking for. Now, some people say, but what about the person who's unhappy? I mean, what is it that they want? They're doing it because it's working for them. What, what is that? How does that apply? Okay, you have someone who's miserable. They've experienced some great pain, a big challenge. They're super stressed. They're really unhappy. What are they looking for? Sometimes they're looking for a feeling of control or power. So they behave in a certain way. They might become passive aggressive or say something that's mean, rude and nasty because then they get to watch someone else hurt. And that is rewarding to them in that moment. It's like, oh, I'm miserable. I want to make somebody else miserable. And so they keep using that passive aggressive style, which by the way, looks all nice and nice on the surface, but underneath is mean, rude and nasty because it's working for them. It allows them to look like they're nice on the surface, but underneath they're still getting the feeling like I hurt you and I know I hurt you and I see it on your face. And that becomes rewarding for them. So even though fear and anger and uh, desire for control are definitely key drivers of difficult behavior. And all experts will agree that most difficult behavior is driven by things like fear and lack of control. Even though those are key drivers, ultimately people use the tools. They use a difficult behavior to fulfill a need. And if that tool has worked in the past, they will use it again. There's an old adage that goes, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Say that again because it's so powerful. What gets rewarded gets repeated. It's reinforced. So somebody yells, they get the compliance that they're looking for. They think, hey. I'm going to yell again because that's going to get me what I want. And over time, that simply becomes how they function during challenging situations. They yell because they know it works. The number one reason difficult people are difficult, the number one reason they behave in a difficult way, the number one reason they use difficult communication strategies is because it is working for them. like I said, there are all sorts of other things that drive that behavior, but bottom line, people are doing it because they're getting something out of it. They're getting what they want. Power, control, hurting other people, trying to make themselves feel better by making somebody else feel worse. Ultimately, they're getting what they're looking for. So here's what we cannot do. And this is crucial. We cannot make a difficult person not be difficult. share that with you again. You cannot make a difficult person not be difficult because you cannot control anybody else. You can't change other people. Anybody ever try to change somebody else? If so, it made for a great first marriage, didn't it? Human beings are very funny. They don't appreciate our very best efforts to fix them because they don't think they're broken. And our attempts to change their behavior typically only elicit defensiveness. For example, you have someone who is a yeller and you say to them, I'm not yelling at you. Stop yelling at me. Typically, they don't come back with, oh, you're right. I probably ought not to yell. They come back with either, you think I'm yelling? I'll show you yelling. Or I'm not yelling. You just are super sensitive. Or why are you so sensitive? they will come back at something with something that is either defensiveness or gaslighting. Like, it's like, it's your fault that um, you're upset that they're screaming at you. So when we try to change someone else, it typically does not work. They get defensive or they become uh, narcissistically passive aggressive and gaslight us. Pretty typical responses. So you cannot change other people. You cannot make a difficult person not be difficult. What can you do? You can train them that their difficult behavior is not rewarded by you. Eleanor Roosevelt taught us that we want to train other people how to treat us. Train other people how to treat you. Train them that while their difficult behavior might work with everybody else, it does not work with you. Probably one of the clearest examples of this is, say you have a child who's a pouter, and when they pout, they tend to get their way. Well, you may decide that, hey, you might pout with that person in your life, and they give you what you want, but pouting does not work with me. I'm not going to try to, tell you, don't pout. I'm just going to stop rewarding the pouting. You train other people how to treat you. We cannot make a difficult person not be difficult. However, we can train them that their difficult behavior is not working with us. It's not rewarded by us. And eventually, they may not change their ways with everyone else. However, they will learn that their difficult behavior isn't being rewarded by us and they will choose a different tactic or they will stop engaging in that difficult behavior with you or they will disengage from you, which is in its own way a reward for you to not have them pester you or bother you because they know they're not getting what they're looking for from you. So while I cannot make a difficult person not be difficult, I can train them how to treat me. Now, we've spent a bit of time today talking about why difficult people are difficult, and we've discovered that really the number one reason difficult people are difficult is because it's working for them. And there are all sorts of drivers of that behavior, fear, insecurity, etc. However, bottom line, they are doing it because it's working for them on some level. So we've learned that difficult people are difficult because it's working for them. We've learned that we cannot make them not be difficult. What we can do is we can train them that their difficult behavior does not work with us. And to that end, we want to develop some communication tools. We want to develop some communication skills that we can use to train them that their difficult behavior does not work with us. And those powerful tools, strategies, tactics, and techniques are aided when we unleash three superpowers. I believe that there are three communication superpowers we can use to help us deal more effectively with difficult people. And that will be the subject for episode number two. So please join me for episode number two of dealing with difficult people, where we will discover our three communication superpowers and how they help us deal with difficult people. Until then, I'm communication and leadership skills expert, Pamela Jett. Thanks for listening.